0: All right, you ready?
1: Yes, I am. Okay, so right. this whole saga began.
0: <laughs> Did I not say that I was running this interview? I'm even? sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, so can you tell us what happened this weekend?
1: The short answer: an army of right-wing commentators and online trolls came for me. For me, it started Saturday night when news was just rolling in. Uh, when journalist, I will say journalist with a soft J, Andy No. <laughs> reportedly got beaten really badly. He had to get hospitalized. He went to the ER because he sustained some serious injuries. That is no laughing matter. I'm serious. Nobody should get hurt for, for doing their job. So I had something to say. I'm familiar with this guy's work. A lot of it is centered around demonizing Muslims, particularly. And for me as a Muslim who reads his work... I see his work as having a lot of consequence, consequence that many of these types of writers don't recognize. So what I wrote was, and I'll I'll read it verbatim, I'd argue that the fear-mongering he's done against Muslims, plus the work he's done to discredit hate crimes, helped create an atmosphere of violence that vulnerable people all have to live through just for being who they are. This is bad, but he's guilty of worse.
0: And then uh, what happened after that?
1: Michelle Malkin, a conservative with like 2 million followers, quoted me and said that I had argued that the journalists deserved it. After that, the response came immediately. Refreshing my Twitter notifications was like pulling the lever on a slot machine where the only prizes were racist, threatening, and instigating tweets. Hundreds of commentators avalanched in. Many, like Malkin, accused me of trying to justify the violence. And whenever I thought it was slowing down, another right-wing Twitter account with hundreds of thousands of followers sent a new wave of their angry fans for me. Slate writer suggests Andy No had it Defending coming. actual violence attack against journalists. Leftists want to murder Protect you. yourself by purchasing gun and ammunition. So it's just been overwhelming to say the least. All these verified accounts trying to mischaracterize what I was trying to say. And that's not funny. That's not a joke. There's nothing funny about that. I mean, there's nothing funny about telling your followers to buy guns and ammunition to defend themselves from me, right? So I spent that morning slumped on my couch, refreshing, responding. I wasn't above the fray. I called people names right back. Then one person said they wanted my address. You can imagine what for. So I set my location in a public tweet, like, let them come, whatever. And at that point, My producer on this podcast said that we needed to talk. I'm Eamon Ismail, and you're listening to Man Up. On this show every week, we tell honest stories about our lives and investigate where we get our ideas about what it means to be a man. So, yeah, my producer Danielle was not impressed with my macho act on Twitter, especially as threats of violence were rolling in. And I didn't really get it right away, so she sat me down in the studio this week. No necessary, void, so I want to take a second and tell you guys about this podcast that I've been obsessed with. It's called Ethnically Ambiguous. It's a podcast about the immigrant minority experience, but it's really fun. It's hosted by Iranian-American Anna and Syrian-American Shurin. They discuss growing up with immigrant parents, and they also tell stories from history. To help make sense of the news coming out of the Middle East today. And hate to shamelessly self-promote, but I'm the guest on the next podcast. We talked about what it was like to discover our sexualities within our immigrant communities. What it was like to be raised as an outsider, dealing with stereotypes, and about representation in television and film. It comes out every Monday and Wednesday and it's produced by iHeartRadio and how stuff works. And if you're interested in these types of podcasts, then you gotta support them. Listen and subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: Um so I can hear your voice, you're really definitely frustrated with the people you were fighting with on Twitter. But you also shared your address? When you were arguing yeah. with them, and I, I just yeah. yeah, I want to know what that's about. Like, do you often get into flame wars, and you know,
1: it's a problem that I have. Personal
0: information. <laughs>
1: it's, it was my instinct. This person's online, being like, "Hey, give me your address. We'll we'll meet up and we'll fight." I, I'm my instinct is to be like, "Okay, yeah, come meet me. Come see what happens." You know, that's kind of like my my gut reaction.
0: Does it feel like a hit on your pride when you don't respond, or if you're if you don't think you're you should respond, or if you're unable to respond? Does it feel like a little emasculating?
1: Yeah. I think a part of my body is telling me, yo, amen, your, your manhood is at stake here. And I don't agree with that, but that's what it feels like. It almost feels like if I don't respond, then they are getting the best of me. It almost feels like if I don't say anything, they've won. So you
0: talk a lot about being a protector and provider for your family. Yes. Um Do you think Revealing your address, a a place near your address, is in conflict with that idea. Do you think, I don't think it so. comes from a similar place? Like these people are dangerous. Like like people get swatted and and die. Like people get shot by the police for no reason. Yeah, because they get swatted. And even if it's not like
1: on my blog, it could be close enough where they see me walking past and follow me home, or or follow my wife home because. Yeah, I, I understand. It's it's not smart. And I when you put it in that context, it seems very, very stupid and unnecessary. But I'm, so I'm like, trying yeah. to
0: understand what context you're coming from, where you thought that was the way to
1: go. Twitter, it doesn't seem public, but in a lot of ways it is right. It's both this personal journal that you're writing, but it's there for everyone to see. So I think that plays a huge factor in how I'm going to react. I think people are going to perceive my weakness if I don't respond or if I allow this random person to act tough with me and I don't act tough back. So I think a lot of it comes from just that stupid playground mentality where boys are just testing boys. You know, you're like playing basketball or soccer and there's a hard foul and the person gets up off the ground and gets in your face. And then you have two options, right? You can either say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and walk away. And then the person ridicules you for the rest of the match. And then other people ridicule you and and also taunt you. Or you step right up to the plate and you show them you're not going to react so kindly if they try and get in your personal space and threaten you. So I almost felt like that tweet, even though it's on Twitter and it's nothing and it's nobody, I, it's stupid, but I feel like maybe I felt a little threatened. Maybe I felt like if I mm. didn't respond appropriately in the same way that I had to respond as a kid, that this would escalate. But then I'm saying it and I, I even I don't believe it. Like I don't think that if I hadn't responded that any this this would have mattered or we should we would even be talking about it. It's stupid. I think it's just that instinct still exists and that Physically, my body is telling me respond this way, respond this way. You know.
0: Yeah. How old are you? <laughs> I know. I know. How this, old this are you?
1: I'm, I'm 29. I'm 29. Just the way you said it, you sound like. When my was the mom. last
0: time you were on a playground?
1: <laughs> <laughs> a long time. A very a long, long time. time. Yeah.
0: Okay. Just just wondering.
1: <laughs> it's, it's, I know it's relevant. It's stupid. And it's not worth the risk. That being said, I did get a little bit of satisfaction from sh- like, calling this guy's bluff. I did. I did like that, you know? So I didn't just stop there. I didn't just give him a location near where I live so he can meet me in case he wants to fight. I also tweeted a picture of himself back to him and laughed at the idea... That someone who looked like that would be caught around my neighborhood. Like that also to me is really funny. And then I screenshotted it and sent it to my friends who also live in the neighborhood. And we all had a nice little laugh. So
0: I mean, okay, you keep saying that you need to get past it and you need to... I
1: know.
0: It's embarrassing. But then you say, but, and Uh, follow it back. But but how are you actively trying to get past that and work on that and and change from those actions?
1: It's... um, my my mind has already been made, right? I've decided that that's not the person that I want to be. That that I've gotten past that first step. I can't afford to be that person anymore. There's, there's too much at risk. That being said, my body wants to. My body knows what it knows, and it learned that from its experience on the playground.
0: Does it feel like you've won once you've responded, or does that feeling last of winning sometimes, once you've responded?
1: Sometimes. Like, for example... When I'll screenshot it and send it to my friends in the group chat and we all laugh, that feels good. That feels like a W, you know? Uh, even if that person doesn't respond afterwards or adds like another qualifier, I still feel as though he tried and he failed and that feels good. Even though I have no way of knowing that that's what happened.
0: With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. get into arguments like this on Twitter? I see as of 33 minutes ago, you've, you've still responded to the thread.
1: Yeah, I was so. arguing with a grandma.
0: So, yeah, does it does this happen a lot for you on Twitter?
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of an epidemic. <laughs> it's kind of a problem <laughs> in my life. I... um, Yeah, I don't know. I feel like, especially on the internet, when you're on Twitter, when you're on Facebook, there's this... There's this anonymous factor that's at play. I think people feel more comfortable being aggressive if they have a computer to hide behind or a, a phone screen to, to tweet from. And so what ends up happening is people get way more confrontational. As a consequence of that, I feel maybe I'm, I'm kind of experiencing the same thing. I'm also on my phone tweeting out uh that i'm ready to fight too which is not good which is not healthy and so this kind of happens a lot i've i've, I've had beef on every social media platform you can imagine i had linkedin beef you ever have linkedin beef <laughs> when someone messages you and says hey i saw your your, your 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 videos that ain't shit blah 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 and then i'm like oh i i went through your resume you worked where? That's lame. And we just went back and forth for no know, reason. I don't know. Went
0: down in LinkedIn like that. It
1: goes down in LinkedIn. Seriously. <laughs> uh,
0: I mean, the show's been going on for over a month now. Have you gotten any tips on how to handle that from what we've been doing? Or Yeah. Just, yeah. You know, has it has it made you think in a different way?
1: Yes. Uh, we. I did an episode where I interviewed. Professor simranjit Singh, who is a Sikh man who... Uh, he practices the Sikh religion. He wears a turban. So when he gets harassed, it's usually because people are confusing him for a Muslim. They don't even... So we talked about this because I, I, I explained to him, yo, I, I don't know how to respond correctly. I feel like there's no way to win. There's, there's no correct way to respond to bullying. And he told me something interesting. He, he talked about how in his religion... It preaches patience and optimism. So that taught him to, instead of trying to bully his bullies back, he's actually trying to reason with them. He wants to talk to them and explain to them how what they did is messed up. And he's actually had some success. So I want to try that. And I wonder how this would have been different if I told him, yo. I don't want to fight you. Actually, I want to talk to you. Why do you why do you feel like you want to fight me? Why do you want to know where I live?
0: So on the episode with Simran that you mentioned, where you told the story of being harassed in the street, do do you did you feel out of control in that situation and do you feel like responding on Twitter feels like a situation where you can control something?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm really happy you brought that up because it feels like that situation and the kinds of messages that I'll get on Twitter, are very paralleled, right? They they use the same language. So on the street, this guy, I mean, there was no way I could mute or block this guy, right? He's standing in my face. He makes his hand into uh, a gun with his like pointer finger and thumb and presses it up against my head and says, "If if, if any of your cousins back home try and blow up this country, I'm going to blow your brains out, right? Like, that's that's something that happened in real life that I can't just tune out. But the difference is I, I didn't know how to respond, right? I was kind of just standing there thinking to myself, like, what is going on? This is happening. Like, this is New York City, broad daylight. Like, I don't know any other world. Like, I was born and raised, like, three miles away. So, like, I don't understand. Like, I feel like I let myself down by not responding, by not having some kind of comeback, um... Uh, in, in like the heat of it right or at least getting it on camera like I mean, that was like another thought that I had I was like wow this happened and I just have to live with it like that's it and I like said something but it was weak I was like just get out of my face and then his f- drunk friend came and they were both like whisked away into the into the city and I was left think feeling like a victim I left I was just standing there feeling stupid like like I should have done something. I I should have done more to prevent this from happening, and that I felt like if if only I was like running through all the scenarios in my head. If only I had said this. So, when you're replying to these people, does it make you feel a sense of
0: control that maybe you haven't had in certain situations in your life?
1: I, I mean, I, I want to say yes.
0: Like, have you convinced yourself that you'll, like, have the perfect comeback on the Internet because you have time and you have editing and you have all you basically have all the time in the world to respond and be like and come back with like the perfect crack, you know?
1: Yeah. And and I wish I can do that in in person when it happens in real life. But I think the difference is online. I can take that second to first react. I, I can read it, digest it and then draft the perfect response. And then once I'm comfortable with the response, I can hit send, which is something I wish I can do in the moment when I'm confronting Islamophobia or racism in real life. So it's different in that way where I can act like I have the reins, act like I'm in, I'm in control of the situation, of the, of the interaction. Can you say more about why you feel that way? Yeah, I mean it's really awesome when someone comes at you it's like trying to uh, be racist and then you're able to respond and, and, and kind of feel like you have a weighty comeback. And whether or not they feel owned or not, you kind of still walk away feeling like you own them. Um, so, for example, right? If um, And this is a real message that I get all the time. If someone were to message me and say, Oh, well, you must hate this person because you have a, a Muslim mind and a muslim mind thinks in this way and if i respond to them with a stupid gift that shows like a brain pulsating uh or anything where where i kind of like take the ga- take the wind out of their sails that that makes me feel when i walk away from that like that i, I put on display basically for whoever else is going to see it how this person failed they were trying to get under my skin they were trying to um get me to 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 feel something that I didn't let them know that I felt.
0: So, so what are those, I guess, what are those feelings that you're trying to combat?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, a spectrum, right? So it starts usually with anger. It starts with disgust and then it starts to go inward. Then it, then it spreads and then it makes me feel humiliated. It makes me feel like I wasn't man enough. It makes me feel smaller. And then it becomes a a vehicle for sadness and depression. And it makes me feel like if I'm allowing this to happen, or it it makes me feel like when I'm on the the other end of these kinds of uh, bigoted attacks, then who am I if I can't defend that? And this is... This isn't just starting with the Internet. This is starting with just me being a brown kid in America, you know, Um, and not just by bullies, by police officers and judges who, who also don't see the humanity in you. And so when I'm confronting it on the Internet, all those feelings come back, and I'm confronting all of those cops and judges and teachers and crossing guards even, all over again. And so, all of the ways that I wish I can respond to those people, IRL, I end up responding to the internet trolls. Except, it doesn't work. And that's the hardest part about it, is knowing that even for a split second, if it feels good, I end up shooting myself in the foot. I end up allowing them to to continue to, to, to broadcast me as a target. And then it turns into a pile-on real quick. And so, yeah, I don't know. I, I just wish that I didn't have to. But at the same time, just for being who I am, it feels unavoidable. And if I don't respond, it doesn't go away.
0: Yeah, so I I, I guess where you're coming from is that you kind of feel... Trapped, and there's no real answer to this, and so there's no way that you can you can have it be a good outcome from a situation like this. But like, I think we can both agree that like handing out your location on the internet, yeah, yeah definitely no, that's, a no. That's, that's a bad idea. Off the list of options. Never
1: doing that again.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we've established that. <laughs>
1: I don't want to lose sight of how this all started. Protesters brutally assaulted a journalist in the street, and that's inexcusable. The video is hard to watch, I didn't choose my words carefully, and opportunistic people on the right saw a chance to dunk on a Slate writer. A lot of people were misled to believe that I was endorsing that violence, which I never would, and so when the responses rolled in, and I felt unjustly pushed around, I pushed back. I saw it as standing up for myself, but I think it was more of a basic impulse, a sort of adolescent need to join the fight. And because so many of the responses were racist, I had a hard time walking away, giving bigots the last word, but because I did get a little bit of satisfaction, I'm not so sure that it was all for nothing. Jumping into the void, trying to get a few snarky jabs and felt like one way of standing up against bigotry, even if it's not exactly pretty. To be honest, I'm not exactly sure if there's any good way to respond. Even not responding can leave me feeling down. So, what should I do here? Maybe I should just start by deleting Twitter from my phone. Just don't at me. So, that's the show. Here at Man Up, we love getting emails and voicemails and we'd love to hear from you too. Got thoughts about this week's episode or maybe have ideas on what to talk about next? Leave a message at 805 626 8707. That's 805 ManUp07. Or just leave us a voicemail at manup at slate.com. If you like this episode, consider supporting the kid and leaving a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. Not only do we appreciate it, but it helps other people find the show too. ManUp is hosted and written by me, Eamon Ismail. Our producers are Danielle Hewitt and Cameron Drews. Our executive producers are Jeffrey Bloomer and Lo and Liu. Gabriel Roth is the Editorial Director of Slate Podcasts. June Thomas is the Senior Managing Producer. And TJ Raphael is the Senior Producer of Slate Podcasts. 18 plus.